What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Caffeinated Bible Chatter. Today we are in a new studio. This one's actually nicer than our normal one. Um, but I'm Kyle Shields. I'm sitting here across the table from Dylan Brown. Yes, uh, we are in a new studio. Um, this is actually at the uh, church that I privilege to serve in, Greater Hope Baptist Church, Dallas, Georgia. Shout out. Um, probably a bad episode to associate with the church I go to, considering we're talking about some weird stuff. So don't let that deter you. Uh, but uh, yeah, so we are a little bit, a little bit of a different uh, change of scenario here um, or scenery. I guess would actually be the right word, but. I'm, uh, I'm, I've enjoyed this series so far of whatever we're calling it, weird stuff in the Bible. And I'll be honest with you, I think it's flowed decently from week one when uh, starting to lay out the gap and what was going on in that time frame involving the sons of God, how that rolled over into last week with the giants and uh, how that became demons today, devils, whatever you want to call them. Um, if you haven't listened to either one of those episodes, I would highly encourage you to listen to those before you listen to this one all the way through. Um, but I think last week we kind of alluded to the fact that of this whole thing of UFOs and I made some comments about the Catholic Church uh, and stuff like that. So I think the last two episodes will flow uh, into this one, I, I think. I do think this episode, um, it's a it, it's a short passage that we're mainly staying in. Uh, of course, we're always going to be comparing Scripture to Scripture like we normally do. But um, this one may be a little more casual in the sense that we're, me and Kyle are just talking back and forth. and Because uh, because honestly, what we're talking about today, there are it's there's Scripture on it. That's what, why we're talking about it. Um, but there is some things that are hard to understand. And, and we don't have all the answers. And some of the smartest men that we studied behind didn't have the, uh, the answers or don't have the answers. And so we just have to let the Spirit of God lead us the best we know how, and He always leads us as the teacher by comparing spiritual things with spiritual. And so that's what we're going to try to do. And it's in Zechariah 5 is where we're eventually heading. And you're going to see that we're going to be jumping from Zechariah chapter 5 and comparing those words oftentimes are going to take us to book to the book of Revelation, chapter 17, chapter 13, stuff like that. Um, but I think that the title of this episode is going to be something to the effect of Talking about UFOs, as we mentioned, talking about the Tower of Babel, um, the Catholic Church, and why would you? So why would those be three things that we're that we're gonna either entitle this or talk about? Well, that's because when we compare scripture with scripture from the text that the UFOs are found in Zechariah five, that's where it leads us is those type of subjects like the Tower of Babel in the Catholic Church, and so we're going to hopefully try to tie a bow on all this and show that. Uh, there's something to this, um, and maybe may hopefully make sense of it best we can as as stewards of the Word of God. So, Kyle, you want to maybe start off with that verse that we've been reading in this whole series, just to kind of remind ourselves? Yeah, Proverbs 25.2. It is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings is to search out a matter. And last time we read that, we looked at Revelation as well to see that that kings is talking about us. So. Yep. Us searching out a matter that he's concealed, he he gets glory out of that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and so like not to repeat everything that we've said in the previous episodes, but again, um, we don't just want to study deep things, but we also don't want to avoid the deep things. If it's in the Bible, 
We're certainly interested in studying it because we know that God hasn't done anything by accident with his word. And so every word of God is pure. And so I don't just want to stay on the milk. I don't want to avoid the milk. I need to apply virtue and obedience to what the milk says in my life. But I want to look at the meat too. Um, and matter of fact, the Apostle Paul chastises the church of Corinth for never being able to, to leave the milk. Like In 1 Corinthians 3, he says, I've only fed you with milk. He says, because you were not able to, to bear meat. And I'm giving you a paraphrase. And he says, and then the key in that verse, though, it's like 1 Corinthians 3, 3, or somewhere in that early chapter of chapter 3. But he says, neither yet now are ye able. Talking about able to bear meat. Now, that's the key. People don't, need, don't have to start in this stuff. Like if you're, and we always say this, this podcast is probably not for the person that just got, like we want you to listen. And if you just got saved, I want you to listen. But it's probably, some of these subjects are not going to drastically change your life. Uh, if you're early on in your walk, um, I believe everything does have devotional application, even crazy stuff like this. But, you know, you need the milk. Um, but you, you don't want to stay there forever. That's that's called a lack of growth, of course. And we don't, nobody, you know, that's not God's design and plan for you. So we enjoy doing this. And uh, for like again, for those that say, well, it's just not profitable. Okay, well, I disagree with you. And, and that you can certainly not listen to this episode, but I would encourage you to do that. Um uh, to, to listen to it, not to not listen, but like I said, if, if you want to not listen, that's certainly fine too. Um, but we believe that it's in here for a reason. And so like, like the verse Kyle read, uh, it is God does not give everything as a softball. Again, salvation in the New Testament, in, in the book of Romans, it's a softball. Eternal life, softball. Um, the law in the Old Testament, softball. A lot of those things, but some things require deeper study, require the the specific words. That's why we're King James guys, not because we just like the the phrase King James or we think we're old school. Because we're actually not old school people. Um, I don't ever wear a suit and tie, uh, but we are King James guys, like we've said in the past, because we are we believe the specific words, and that's how we study. And uh, matter of fact, not to chase rabbits, but we, I was having this conversation with Kyle earlier in the week about somebody was kind of making fun of different versions and stuff like that, and or making fun of King James, and they're you know, that's fine, whatever. Um, and I, I said some people read and some people study. Yeah. If you yeah, <laughs> if you just want to be a reader, go read whatever version you want. You'll actually get something from it. I'm not going to say you won't, yeah. but if you want to be a studier, get you a King James Bible. So that's a that's nothing to do with what we're talking about, but that's always good to throw in there. Yeah, I don't, I don't think you can study without without the King James. No, you you try cross reference in the ESV, and you will drive yourself nuts. It ruins all kind of cross references. So I do want to say shout out. This is a long intro. I'm sorry, but uh, I am sipping uh, since we're not in the studio. I, I went out for coffee, and I want to give this this place a shout out. And they probably would not like the episode that we're discussing today i don't i don't know them they are a christian company though uh but it's called good stuff coffee house and i really like their coffee it's in dallas georgia for all of you local listeners and ladies at our church actually meet there for bible study so they at least like the bible so i praise god for that uh that's what i'm sipping on a mocha that only has half the pumps of mocha in it because i'm trying to get better so but it's good trying to get to the black coffee that's right so it's got (laughs) enough spice to keep me going but it's still got that deep, hardcore coffee taste to, to kick me right in the sweet spot. 
There we go. Whatever that means. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually coffee free right now. I, mm. uh, well, the reason is because I, I had to get gas on the way over here and I stopped at Quick Trip, which oh, was my. a mistake. That's sugar water. Yeah, I, I can't do Quick Trip. <laughs> racetrack, though. That, yeah, Racetrack. Racetrack has some yeah, good coffee. That's right. They got the beans. <laughs> yeah. I, I suppose they're real. I don't know. Yeah, well, we think they are. That's right. <laughs> All right, so uh, if you're following along, if you're just listening, then just listen, of course. But if you're following along and you do like to write down references and look in your Bible, where we're going to be at for the most part, Zechariah 5. Now, the book of Zechariah, it's always important to establish context. The book of Zechariah is, of course, a minor prophet. And most of these minor prophets are second advent books. And, of course, what I mean by that is they're books that are looking ahead to the second coming of Christ. Now, that's crazy to think about because... The first coming of Christ at this point had not even happened, but it's looking ahead to the second coming of Christ, and that's what most of this book is about, and it's talking about you know, Israel and judgment and just stuff like that, and, uh, and Zechariah 5 brings us to a place um, where there is um, some, some judgment going on, some bad things going on, and we would say that this is taking place in the tribulation. Okay, so, so why are we talking about it? Well, because in our past episodes, we've said, the Bible says that we can start, that, that there will be growing pains or, uh, or pains as a woman travaileth, I think is the phrase the Bible uses, when it talks about what is to come in, in the future with the tribulation and all those things. And we will start to see some of those ripples, and we already are, we'll start to see some of those ripples uh, even at the end of the church age, which we believe that we're in. So we'll just say this before I get too far ahead of the game. Um, well, I don't really don't want to say that yet. Let's, let's just start off like this. The first thing you got to remember as we're approaching a, a text like Zechariah 5, you got to take off your rose-colored your ro- rose colored glasses. That's how one guy would say it. Your, your church-colored glasses. glasses. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> take off granny's glasses. And if you're a granny, take off the glasses and you can't think flannel graph Sunday school lesson, you know, that's the only Bible teaching that is real. Okay, look, this is a crazy book we have in our hands. And if we're going to believe it literally and every word of it, comparing it with each with itself, letting it define itself, it's going to tell us some crazy things. And so you got to remember, as we dive into this, you got to remember that Satan has great authority in this world. Satan has massive authority. And Kyle, if you want to go to uh, Colossians or uh, 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, uh, 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, and uh, go ahead and read that. And I'm going to go to Ephesians 6.12. All right. 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, And whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. So you got to remember, okay, so 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, if you're not looking at it, you wouldn't know this, but... The God of this world is lowercase. Yeah. And we know it's not our God our Father because He's 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 blinding the 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 minds of them that believe not, lest they see the light of the glorious gospel. Don't think the Lord's doing that. Uh, maybe some of you Calvinists do, but I know that my father is not doing that. Okay? Um, always a shot at the Calvinists, no matter what. Yeah. I'm so whatever. <laughs> God love you. Just, let's just love Jesus. Um, but that's certain. So that's Satan there. We know that. That's You don't have to be a deep Bible student to understand that. Um, so he is called the God of this world, lower, lowercase g. Okay, Ephesians 
says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Paul talking to the church of, 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 of Ephesus uh, about the spiritual warfare that we will embark on, and this is right around the whole armor of God stuff. Um, but he says, We wrestle not against flesh and blood. But what we do wrestle against, he says, but against principalities. Notice these words. Again, the specific words. Your modern version may change these words. But against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. All of those phrases there and words define uh, like governmental type things. The word principalities literally is like talking about a sovereign reign of a prince. Like it's princes in the word. Like that's what it that's what it's talking about. And and so what we know, and there's a lot of other references. Um Kyle, if you want to go to Ephesians 2 2, and I'm gonna to go to Matthew 4, but we know that Satan is also a prince and he's connected with governmental things based on the references we just read. Uh, Kyle, go ahead and read Ephesians 2.2. Wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Okay, that's Satan there, and he's the prince of the power of the air, okay? And so uh, Satan has great great influence on what happens. Satan, uh, God is ultimately in charge and everything that Satan does has to go through the approval of God. But at the end of the day, I can't explain it to you, but God has allowed and has delegated authority to, to Satan that allows him to do certain things. It's just the way it is. And probably a lot of that is because we do have free will and he wants us to, to surrender ourselves to the obedience of what the Lord says rather than what the world says and, and those kind of things. And uh, there, there's just a lot there. Um, but so certainly Satan is he's the prince of the power of the air. He is the God of this world. We wrestle against principalities, against powers. Like if you think about the powers of this world, we all know what our mind goes straight to. It's those that, that, that rule over nations, that rule this world, um, and all those kind of things. Okay, Matthew 4. Matthew 4, this is Jesus' um, temptation from Satan in the wilderness when he's fasting 40 days, and it's right after he's started his earthly ministry, after he was baptized by John the Baptist. And this very popular passage, Jesus responds to Satan's temptation three times with, it is written, and he quotes scripture. That's exactly what we're to do. But specifically, the third temptation that, he, that Satan offers, I want you to notice in verse uh, 8, it says again, this is the third time, again the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. And saith unto him, all these things will I give thee. He's talking to Jesus He's talking to the one that, according to John chapter 1, created everything. He says, He taketh them up to this and show them all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. And he saith unto him, All these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. And you know what Jesus doesn't do? Jesus doesn't say, Now, nah. this is what the, the Flannel Graph Sunday School lesson would say. Well, Jesus 
didn't even listen to that because they weren't Satan's to give away in the first place. No, Jesus doesn't deny that. His response to, to Satan in verse 10 of Matthew 4 is, Then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. His only response was to tell Satan, The Bible says I'm not to worship you. That's what he says. He doesn't deny anything that Satan is offering based on kingdoms. And the reason that is is because he's delegated that authority to Satan. He just has. At Jesus, at this point in history, especially after the rejection of uh, Jesus as Messiah amongst the Jews, Jesus in our church age has turned his focus to a spiritual kingdom. He will get to his physical kingdom one day as he returns and the millennial reign starts. But, man, right now, Satan's got access to this world. It was Satan who was going uh, amongst, you know, back and forth looking for ways to cause havoc and then approaches the Lord at his throne in the book of Job to say, hey, you know, in other words, you got anything I can get busy with? You got any, you got any, got any, got any work needs to be, that I can, I can be, you know, putting my hands uh, in, involved in? And that's when, you know, God says, if you consider my servant Job, and again, I don't know why God said that, okay? But again, we don't have to, there's not a lot, there's a lot we don't have to figure out. We can just take it for what it says. But you have to remember that, that Satan has authority as we dive into a subject like this, because if you're Sunday school, and I love Sunday school, like I'm, I'm saying those things cliche because some people have a hard time believing that the Bible talks about anything other than like the cute Bible stories. Um... But if we, if we take that approach into Zechariah 5, you're not going to believe any of the, the literal words that it says. Not what we not our twist on it. Although we will say if we're giving our own opinion on something and it's not clear teaching in Scripture. But you won't believe the, the literal words of Zechariah 5. It's like this. Some people have said that the book of Revelation is not hard to understand. It's hard to believe. And that's the whole Bible. Once you start getting into the nitty-gritty and seeing the deep things, people have a hard time on it. And so, because because it's hard to believe. Yep. So, so remembers that Satan has great authority. We have to remember that as we approach that. Okay, the second thing, now, now we're going into Zechariah 5 here. The second thing is we got to address, and we're just kind of doing a Bible study with these verses here. Um, it's a short chapter. And I'd, I'd encourage you to read it and study it out for yourself, as always. But we gotta, we got to see here, obviously, these flying rolls that show up in Zechariah chapter 5. That's where we're starting. And that's where we're getting into this whole thing of UFOs. So, uh, Kyle, if you want to read maybe verse, uh, maybe verse one and two. All right. And by the way, saying UFO, we're not we're not talking about aliens mm-hmm. and things like that. Just what it means, unidentified flying object. Yeah, that's literally <laughs> what the word means. Yeah, yeah, we're not talking about green headed nothing. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Zechariah five, first two verses. Then I turned and lifted up mine eyes and looked, and behold, a flying roll. And he said unto me, What seest thou? And I answered, I see a flying roll. The length thereof is 20 cubits, and the breadth thereof 10 cubits. And I actually wrote down what a cubit is, so I would remember. Yeah. But a cubit is about 18 inches, is what they say. So so this thing's like 30 feet by 15 feet. Yeah. It's, it's massive. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm glad you said that, because I didn't write that down. I was actually about to ask if you remembered how big a cubit was, so I'm glad you did that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and so that's important that... Like Kyle said, we're not talking about aliens. We don't believe in any of that mess. The Bible doesn't give us any info on anything like that. Now, we believe in, in demons, and we believe in 
spirits, and we believe that the spiritual realm would blow our minds away if we saw it. Um, but we don't believe in, in any mess that like a movie would try to portray as a UFO that's a saucer that has you know an alien inside of it. We're not speaking any of that. A UFO scares people because American history has made us scared of the word UFO. UFO literally, again, means unidentified flying object. So in layman's terms, that's something in the air that we don't know what it is. Yeah. That's what we're talking about. Okay. You have to admit, even though you feel weird and you feel like a conspiracy theorist when you use the word UFO, again, America has made you feel that way in times past. Maybe not as much in time present. and We'll talk about that. Um, but verse 1 literally says, He looks. Again, the context is looking ahead towards the second advent times, the second coming of Christ times. We believe this is in the tribulation. It says, He looked, and behold, a flying roll. Okay, something's flying. Yeah. Something's flying. Now, again, how do we de- determine what things, what words mean in the Bible when we compare Scripture with Scripture? Okay, now this is where it gets tough because I don't know exactly what this role is. Now, what some people would say, and I will actually give them the credit that they're trying to compare Scripture to Scripture when they say this, so I'll say, God bless you. What some people will say is this is a scroll or like a book or something like that. And like one reference would simply be like in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah 8.1, it says, Moreover, the Lord said unto me, Take thee a great roll." Same word, and write in it with a man's pen concerning this guy that has way too many letters in his name. Okay? So that is, they're at least trying to compare scripture with scripture with that. Okay. And normally the role is associated with biblical writing, like a scroll that they're writing God's words on. Okay. Now let's keep this in context of Zechariah 5. I said last week that the, uh, the biggest problem with the Calvinists is they don't keep reading. Well, let's keep reading. Uh, the reason we know this is not some godly scroll, some godly book, something to do with his word that's coming forth, is because um, verse 3 says it's associated with a curse. It says, Then said he unto me, This is the curse that goeth forth over the face of the whole earth. It's talking about this flying roll. And Kyle, you can say something about what we talked about uh, here in a minute about that. And then verse 8 Essentially, there's three flying rolls here in this, this passage. One time it's re- referenced as a curse. One time in verse 8 it's referenced as, it says, and he said, this is wickedness. This is wickedness. Okay, so this is not a scroll with God's words on it. Like I said, I can at least see where people are trying to go, just taking that word and literally running the references on it. But it doesn't fit here. And this is why rules of Bible study are so important. That, that context, comparing Scripture with Scripture is certainly a rule of Bible study. We do that the most. And context is so important because the context around this, these flying rolls that show up in Zechariah 5 are not good. They're not like these rolls that are scrolls of the writing of God's words on them. I hope that's you know, pretty simple makes sense. Um, Kyle, go ahead and maybe, I don't know if it's too early for that, but go ahead and... Um, say something crazy. Say something crazy about maybe <laughs> some of those those things that uh, curse and stuff. Yeah. Um, so the first thing I was looking at, I, I guess, kind of going verse by verse. Verse three, those first few words where he was talking about the curse. Then said he unto me, "This is the curse that goeth forth over the face of the whole earth." 
Um, and I think that's that's one of the things there that links this to the tribulation that mm-hmm. we're talking about. Um, because Malachi chapter 4, the very last book in the Old Testament, this is talking about the day of the Lord. Um, verse uh, 5 and 6 in that chapter, it says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. So Zechariah 5 then said he unto me, this is the curse that goeth forth over the face of the earth. And then now you see Elijah comes on scene before this thing smites the earth, this curse. Well, in chapter 4 of Zechariah, uh, I'm pretty sure Elijah's right here, right? In chapter 4, I have, no idea, right here? I have no idea. I'm going to be honest with you. I may have the wrong reference. Whatever. Yeah, I but, what I was reading but um, for sure, it definitely is. We're just cross-referencing yeah. words here. Yeah, word, words with words. So, yeah, this is that that curse uh, that's going over the face of the horror. So, so that links it to uh, this tribulation. Um, it's verse 14. Then he said, these are the two anointed ones that stand by the Lord yeah. of the whole yeah, earth. Yeah, yeah that's um, right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. And then this Moses curse and Elijah. Comes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it, well, I'll say this too, and you keep going after I say this. Uh, it's it's not hard to believe that this is involved in the tribulation too, because like I said, this is a second advent book. Well, go back and listen to our end time stuff that was sort of like in the beginning of this podcast, uh, like out of all of our episodes. If you haven't listened to those, maybe you're new to the deal. Go back and listen to those. What precedes? Um, what immediately precedes the second coming of Christ on earth? The tribulation. <laughs> so. Like, it's not hard to, like, just even understanding the timeline of history that it is to come, um, it's not hard to say, okay, yeah, this is definitely going on in tribulation. And then, like Kyle just did, he's just cross-referencing simple words to, to see how it's, it's showing up in the same context and time frame in other passages and other places in the Word of God. And that is, again, man, if I keep, if I, if there's going to be one thing that I keep saying, like, on a lot of episodes, it is that we don't make up what the words in the Bible mean and what they're attached to. We let the Bible do that. And we let the Bible do that by comparing Scripture with Scripture. Like, again, I say that so much, but it's so refreshing because so many people today, we're, in a, we're, in a, we're at the end of the church age. Sound doctrine is flying out the window like a, like a, like a loogie on a hot day. Flying out that window, Okay. And and the reason it's flying out the window is because, again, people don't believe in a perfect book, but people like think they can define words however in the heck they want to define them. And I don't know why people think that they're that big of a deal that they can do that. We're not. We're nobody, so we need to let God define them. And so that's just another sidebar. I'm sorry, Kyle. Yes, that was good. <laughs> All right, um, so we're linking this to the tribulation, right? And then also in verse 3, we read the first part, but the, the second half of that, it says, For everyone that stealeth shall be cut off as on this side, according to it, and everyone that sweareth shall be cut off as on that side, according to it. So again, we're pointing this to the tribulation. This is pointed at someone right here in verse 3 that, that steals or, or is a, a blasphemer, right? Well, that, that's characteristics of the Antichrist, of Satan. In John 10, 1, it talks about him being a thief and a robber when Christ is talking about being the door. Um, and then in Revelation 13, 15, it says, There was given unto him a mouth, speaking great things and blasphemes, and power was given unto him to continue forty and two months. So this curse is connected to the tribulation. It's connected 
with the Antichrist, all the stuff that's going on over there. So if this curse affects the Antichrist and it affects his followers, okay, verse 4, it says, I will bring it forth, saith the Lord of hosts, and it shall enter into the house of the thief and into the house, and this is where it may get crazy, but we're going to cross-reference to it, an old, older Leviticus. Um, I will bring it forth, saith the Lord of hosts, and it shall enter into the house of the thief and into the house of him that sweareth falsely by the name, and it shall remain in the midst of his house and shall consume it with the timber thereof and the stones thereof. So this thing doesn't just affect people, right? We were talking about the Antichrist and his followers, but it gets in the houses and it, it starts rotting that stuff, right? It, mm. it, it's a curse. It messes it up. Amen. Well, the only thing in our Bible that, that affects people and things that we see it, is leprosy. Help them. Yeah. <laughs> so leprosy, if you look up that word, that takes you to Leviticus chapter 14. Um, and I'll just read four verses from this chapter. We're going to skip around on it. Verse 34 of Leviticus 14 says, When ye be come into the land of Canaan, which I give to you for a possession, and I put the plague of leprosy in a house of the land of your possession. 35, And he that owneth the house shall come and tell the priest, saying, It seemeth to me there is, as it were, a plague in the house. Then jump down to verse 44. Then the priest shall come and look, and behold, if the plague be spread in the house, it is a fretting leprosy in the house. It is unclean. And he shall break down the house, the stones of it, and the timber thereof, and all the mortar of the house, and he shall carry them forth out of the city into an unclean place. So we're, we're reading how leprosy, when it gets on some or in someone, and it gets in their house, well, it starts to break down that house, the stones and all of that. They, they break it down. Well, in verse 4 of Zechariah 5, this curse when it enters in, into this house, the, the thief and the blasphemer, well, it, it consumes the timber and the stones thereof. It breaks down this house. So leprosy can get in the people. It can get in the houses. It can get in the clothes. And then in leprosy, or in Leviticus chapter 13, verse 2, leprosy shows up as bright spots or as a, a white reddish sore. Uh, Leviticus 13.2, When a man shall have in the skin of his flesh a rising, a scab, or bright spot, and it be in the skin of his flesh like the plague of leprosy, then, how sh then he shall be brought unto Aaron the priest and unto one of his sons and priests. So when they get this leprosy, they have a, a scab, but it says it's, it's a bright spot okay, in their, in their flesh. And then jump down to verse 42 of Leviticus 13. And if there be in the bald head or bald forehead a white reddish sore, so there you go, it is a leprosy sprung up in his head. So leprosy is a, a bright spot. It's a, a white reddish sore. Um, it says, Then the priest shall look upon it, and behold, if the rising of the sore be white reddish. So again, it's just showing you that this thing is leprosy. When it gets on them, it's, it's a bright spot, uh, white and reddish. Okay, so now, now this may sound crazy, but uh -oh. Revelation 16. Uh-oh. Uh, verse 2. This guy's a heretic. <laughs> and the first went and poured out his vial upon the earth. So we're, we're in the tribulation right now. The seven, the seven vials that are going to be poured out here. This is the first one. Um, he poured out his vial upon the earth, and there fell a noisome and grievous sore upon the men which had the mark of the beast, and upon them which worshipped his image. Okay, so, so here's these sores in Revelation 16. So this is what I'm saying. When God pours out his wrath, right, all the people that, 
that are following the Antichrist, um, the, these spots turn into grievous sores. So, so what I'm getting at is if, if, if you're in the tribulation, which if you're saved, you won't be there, so you ain't got to worry about this. But right. and, and you can get saved if you're not. Yeah, yeah. You yeah, don't want to be Today is the day of salvation, according to Paul. <laughs> exactly. Um, but what I'm saying is, if if you're here in this time, and you're you're following the Antichrist, you you take that mark of the beast. When he pours out this first vial, that mark of the beast turns into leprosy. Mm. Is, is is what I'm getting at. Yeah. Well, leprosy is a picture of sin, and it is that old Antichrist that's called. The man of sin. Yes. My, so, my, I, my. so I think this first UFO we see here, this first this this flying roll, is a giving us a, a picture of of that happening, getting yeah. in the house and breaking breaking down the stone. Yeah, it beats <laughs> me just saying. Well, I think this makes me feel like it's uh, you know a little birdie. Yeah. You know that's what whatever people say. People that's how some people study the Bible. Well, to me, this makes me feel like. You know, I get this warm sensation when I start thinking about bird, a bird, yeah. or when I start thinking about uh, butterflies. You know, something. I'm, I'm just, I'm sorry. I'm always, I guess, I'm always hating on the Calvinists. Now it's going to seem like the Catholics uh, and people that make up stuff instead of just studying the Bible. Yes, you're in my my negative camp if you fall into one of those. Okay, but I say all that, obviously jokingly, and we are going to talk about the Catholic Church, and I I do want to say this as kind of a sidebar because we're about to get into more of this. I don't think anybody, there are some people that are just deceived. The Bible actually talks about in 1st or 2nd Timothy that some are deceiving and some are being deceived, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing it, but it's like there's two categories of people. And so some people are just deceived, and so like I don't think that everybody that's in a Catholic Church is evil. They're just misled. Now, there's some priests out there. Again, I don't know to what extent. Definitely the Pope, though. He's a deceiver. John Calvin? Deceiver. <laughs> okay. So uh, just just remember to chew on that. Put that in your pipe. Um, yeah, but I, I like every bit of it. Uh, it so, you know, in, in all of this, you can definitely see the context, not only from the the context of this book and like Kyle said in the, the previous chapter at the end it talks about those two men that are anointed um, which is a tribulational thing with Moses and Elijah um, and then what precedes the second coming well it's the it's the uh, it's the tribulation here on earth and obviously those references he run he ran are all bringing us back to the tribulation as well so it's very easy uh, to to say yeah that's probably now, do we know, again, like I said, do we know, everything that we're going to say in this, we don't know 100% that it's like black and white, like this is how it's going to go and this is exactly. No, we just obviously know what we can find comparing spiritual things with spiritual and seeing where it brings us to. Like I said, at the beginning of this episode, I didn't think, you know what, it'd be cool to talk about UFOs and the Tower of Babel and the Catholic Church. Like, I didn't have a hotbed for those. Like, it's just letting the Scripture take takes it, yeah. take us where it takes us. And then here we are. Yeah, in saying that, I, I'm not saying 100% like the mark of the beast is going to be leprosy. Yeah, that's a darn good I shot. Just, yeah, I think, yeah. It seems like it. As one man said <laughs> that died many years, that died a few years ago, you better watch that old book. <laughs> that's It'll right. cut you coming and going. <laughs> um, all right, so... 
what you can at least acknowledge from this so far, if we're just going to believe the words from Zechariah 5 literally, is there is something that is flying in the air that we, it's, that's what makes it a UFO, is we don't, we can't identify exactly what it is. It's not a scroll of a roll because it's wicked, it's cursed, it's in this time period of the tribulation. It's not a good thing. Um, now, certainly in this first one, God is allowing it. And God is actually sending it, but it's causing damage. It's causing problems. It's in the time of Jacob's trouble, which is a time of judgment and, uh, and turmoil and all that that kind of thing. If, if it is a scroll, then in Jeremiah, I don't know why I was just thinking about this, but in Jeremiah, when he, he burns it up, like yeah. 30 feet by 15 feet. It took it's a big minute. daddy. It took a minute to roll that thing up and burn it. Yeah, some, <laughs> some cats like big, big study Bibles, but man, that thing would be... You need about four dudes carrying that on each corner coming into church. Um, So, but you can at least admit that. Now, what I was saying earlier is, what's interesting is, this is how you know we're getting closer to the end times. Because like I said, God will allow us to see the the travail of the woman, if you will. These pains, that these telltale signs that come before the actual time arrives. And what's interesting is, back... In the 60s and 70s and 80s, and even probably 10, 15 years ago, but especially like the 60s and 70s, 80s, like JFK, Nixon, these kind of presidents in those eras, um, they we know this that they had a fi- files called uh, based on UFOs, and we know that there were testimonials of especially a lot of people in the military, which is interesting. Seeing these again, not aliens, but these flying objects around them, flying in jets, that they couldn't figure out what it was. They're like, I don't know what in the world it was, but it was super fast. It could change direction on, on a dime and at a high speed. We have never seen anything like this. And these are guys flying expensive jets that the government owns. Okay. Well, Back in those days, the 60s, 70s, and 80s, and then even to, up to my childhood, that was 60s, 70s, and 80s, way before my time. But that was a very um, looked-down-upon subject. Like, if somebody started talking about UFOs, they were automatically considered a quack. Like, oh, here's some crazy conspiracy theorist. And there's a good chance when you saw the title of this, even today, because that's been embedded in our culture, you're like, here they go talking about aliens. Well, we're not talking about aliens. We're talking about flying objects that we can't identify exactly what they are, but we can see what they do, okay, and where and when they're coming. Well, what's interesting to me is in history, at least in America, I don't know if this is like this worldwide, but the American, okay, the government allows what is said in the news media. That's why the news is hot trash these days. Everybody knows that. If you think most of the news media is solid, then you're one of those people that's duped. They tell us what they want us to know, and they don't tell us what we, they think we don't need to know. Yeah, there's, there's no real reporting anymore. <laughs> no. Journalism is garbage for the most part. Okay, so, but what's interesting to me, where I was going with that, is what's interesting is back years ago, it was looked down upon for anybody to think that was even a thing. Where now, you know this is true, now over the last like two years, we're not only seeing them not, you know, hush-hushing about it. The news is reporting things. Yeah. Like, they're talking about UFO sightings all the time now. It's actually not a rare thing to, to hear them talk about. 
And I don't know about you. Got to at least logically step back and look at it and go, why is it that they were so weird and hush hush about it then? But now it's like it's common knowledge. There's things that are flying around. They can't figure out what in the world they are, or at least they claim they don't know what they are. I think the government may actually be able to identify those fine objects. We just can't. Okay, <laughs> the government they know again. Satan's involved with these principalities. Okay, the powers of the world. You may find one of these UFOs that we're talking about that we can't identify on a military base somewhere. I'm just saying, I don't know. But you have to at least admit, it's weird how things have gotten, they're, they're perfectly okay with it. And again, who's the little G-God of this world? Well, Satan is. And maybe, there's a lot of rabbit trails we could chase on why it would be that at one time he didn't want those things known about, and now he's okay with them being known about. But you can't deny the fact that there has been a great shift. There's been a great change in that. And now they're, they're, you can find all kinds of stuff on it. I mean, it's everywhere. So we believe that the reason they are now being, they're okay with talking about it is obviously because the little G God of this world is okay with them being talked about. And we're starting to see more and more signs of what is to come, which means by default, and this is the devotional application of this, this lesson, by default, it means we're getting closer and closer to the end. So like, we're not even done with this episode, but like, what's your takeaway? Holy crap, Jesus Christ is coming really fast. And like, we've had our episodes on this stuff, and I'm getting way off on a tangent here, and like, this is 41 minutes in, I thought it was going to be short. Um, but like, it really is soon. I'm telling you, I would be shocked. Now you say, well, I don't care what you think. Okay, that's fine. I'm just telling you like half of this is my podcast. So I can say it. <laughs> I mean, it is. Uh, I'd be shocked if 10 years go by without Christ returning. I really would be as far as the rapture. I would be shocked. I think 10 years is a stretch. Again, you say, I don't like that. Uh, it's fine. Go listen to Can We Know the Timing of the Rapture. Yes, that's right. <laughs> so it does tell us that things are getting close. Because they're, again, I've already said it, but the transition there of just the knowledge of these and them being talked about so openly now. Um, okay, so we've talked about Satan's authority. We've talked about these flying roles. And we've tried to define them best we can. Now, again, we still haven't given you a definition exactly of of exactly like what it looks like. And we've given you this, the Bible says the size of them and we can see the result of what they're doing. But that's why there's, we call them UFOs because we ain't identifying like, oh, it looks like a school bus with a trailer hitch. Or like, we don't know. Like, we don't know what they look like. Okay? But I'm just, again, as we define this, there's a few things you need to, you need to see that they're attached with in this passage. There, these flying rolls, it's my third, my third point, is that they are, they are tied to a woman. So they're in the tribulation, we believe, they're, and they're tied, they're causing destruction. God allows the first one, the other two come, uh, best I can tell, on their own. But, but these things are tied to a woman. Look at, at verse 7. Kyle, uh, if you want to read verse 7 in Zechariah 5. Yeah, and behold, there was lifted up a talent of lead, and this is a woman that sitteth in the midst of the ephah. Okay, and so they're, they're, it's around a curse, it's around wickedness, and now there's this woman involved. Okay, 
Um, this is where the kind of the Catholic Church is going to start playing a role in all this. And if you don't know this, the Catholic Church plays a huge role in the tribulation. Okay, so Revelation 17. Um, let me get there. Revelation 17. It's talking about this beast that is in the tribulation. And on the beast is a woman, is a woman. Okay, it says in verse 1 of Revelation 17, And there came one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials, and talked with me, saying unto me, Come hither, I will show unto thee the judgment of the great whore, okay, that sitteth upon many waters, which really references nations, is what that pictures. So there's, there's this woman uh, that is over many, many regions of the world, with whom the kings of the earth ha have committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-colored beast full of names of blasphemy, having seven, head, seven heads and ten horns. And the woman, verse 4, was arrayed in purple and scarlet, and, and, and there's more stuff there, okay? So this woman, again, we're just comparing Scripture with Scripture here. It, it is most certainly, because it's a negative context in, 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 a, in the tribulation in Zechariah 5, it connects us directly with this woman in the tribulation causing havoc in the book of Revelation. And specifically, I was in Revelation 17. Okay, I don't, we don't have time to get into it, but it is so clear that this great whore of Revelation is the Catholic Church. Okay, uh, one reference talks about the city of, of seven hills. Well, that is Rome. That is where, I mean, it's Roman Catholicism. We know where the Pope is. We know where the Vatican is. That's Rome. Okay, again, we don't have time to get into all the study. It's actually, that's a lot easier study than these UFOs of Zechariah 5. Like that one's kind of, if you know how to compare scripture to scripture, that one's actually is a softball, in my opinion. It's, it's the Catholic Church. If someone tells you it's not the Catholic Church, they're probably a Catholic or they have a really close loved one that's a Catholic and they just don't want to swallow that pill. It's the Catholic Church. Okay? And so we're, so we're seeing that these roles in Zechariah 5 are causing problems and they are tied with this woman who represents the Catholic Church in the book of Revelation. And it kind of makes you, it kind of, again, as you can start to see... Um, these these pains these pains of travail coming as we get closer and closer in end times. Um, when you think about the Catholic Church, who do they make much of? Well, they make much of a woman. They make much of Mary. You know, us Bible believers, we don't really talk a lot about Mary because, like, she was just a woman. I mean, she found favor from the Lord having Jesus. Uh, she probably wasn't getting drunk on Friday nights, but she's a woman. We don't make much of her. The Catholic Church makes a lot of her. Well, it they and and then it's compared that that church is compared as a a great whore, a woman in the book of Revelation. A lot of that is, is picture stuff, but it uh, I believe this is kind of off the grid and off the rails, and really doesn't even need to be said. And it kind of takes us away from what we're talking about. But I'm gonna say it anyway. Uh, I believe all this is tied in with uh, why the push for feminism is so big today, because we are at the end of the church age. Mm. And, like, if you're a guy out there, okay, testosterone is one of the biggest cuss words in, in today's society. 
And I don't mean like injecting yourself with it. I'm just talking about the actual male hormone, testosterone. Like it is looked at as a negative thing. Um, and they're trying to make us all females. And I love women, by the way. I've got a wife. I've got two kids that are, women, that are girls. I've got more than two kids, but two of them are girls. I've got a sister. I've got, I've got nothing wrong with women. The only thing i got a problem with is guys trying to be women. That's what i got a problem with. Okay? And so, you know, I don't know. Maybe the Catholic Church is behind this, this push for feminism. It is interesting that the Antichrist, in the book of Daniel, it says that he's not given to women. Hmm. Interesting. Well, I don't know exactly where you want to take that, but maybe he's gay. Maybe he's a transgender Maybe he's just the Pope and popes aren't allowed to marry. But you got to go with one of them options, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. One of them. Yep. So, again, that was kind of a sidebar, but I think there's something to that. Uh, anyway, we can see that these roles are tied to this woman, and that woman takes us directly to Revelation 17, same, same time frame. Both of these are tribulational passages, Zechariah 5 and Revelation 17. Okay. The fourth uh, thing... Oh, go ahead. I was going to just add. Yeah. We, we know these... Uh, Aren't the from the last week's podcast? These aren't the angels that came with Satan either, because no. these are women, and we all the scripture we looked at last week. Yep. Angels are obviously men. They're men, and, and these are women here. And so. those those original sons of God, like we talked about last week, they are chained yeah. right now. So even like we said last week, the demons that cause spiritual warfare today, those are not those original sons of gods that came to the daughters of men in Genesis six. Those guys are chained up. Yeah. Um, so. Like I said, we believe it's the spirits of those giants, which are called Nephilim, that died, and those spirits had to go somewhere. So, um, so it's we we identified best we could these unidentifiable unidentifiable flying objects, um, what they're not, and what they at least are producing. Okay, they're tied to a woman. Number four, we also see that they're tied to Babylon, which is again a. a, a it's a tie back to the Catholic Church. So they're tied to Babylon. We know that because, Kyle, if you want to read in Zechariah 5, verse 11. Yeah. And he said unto me to build it. Or, wow, well, hold on. Start over. And he said unto me to build it an house in the land of Shinar, and it shall be established and set there upon her own base. Okay, so there's a base. And again, it's funny that it says set there upon her own base. Interesting. Female. Uh, a female base here, and the Catholic Church is the great whore. They have a base, certainly, somewhere. That'd be called the Vatican. Um, but it's connected here with Shinar. Okay? Now, again, we're just comparing Scripture to Scripture. The first mention of Shinar in our Bible, and we take great, uh, we take great emphasis, put great emphasis on the first mention of a word in the Bible, brings you to Genesis 10.10. And it says, in the beginning of his kingdom was Babel and Erech and Akkad, and I'm probably pronouncing these wrong, and Kalna in the land of Shinar. So where the tower of Babel was rolling was Shinar. So somehow, that's why that's, that's the, the title of this episode. Somehow, these UFOs, are involved in the same place that the Tower of Babel was involved. That's the base, anyway. And, what was I about to say? I just spaced out. Where are we at? What's going on? No. Uh, 
So they're, they're tied with where the Tower of Babel was tied to. And it's interesting that I just read you earlier Revelation 17, 1 through 4, which talks about the woman. And that woman, again, you study out for yourself, but it's clear, it's the Catholic Church. Well, the next verse in Revelation 17, verse 5, says, And upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. So here we see this woman, and she is connected with Babylon. That's literally what it's called in the tribulation, according to the Lord and the Word of God. And it's, it's connected there. So we're seeing this connection with these UFOs in Zechariah 5. Obviously, they're in the tribulation, but they're connected with this woman, which is connected to to Babylon, to Shinar. The very word is what it, is what it uses there in the text, and Zechariah 5.11, which brings us back to the Tower of Babel. Isn't Nimrod a type of Antichrist? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so in verse 8 of Genesis 10, Nimrod is, he began a mighty, he, wow, he began to be a mighty one in the earth. He's the one that started this first kingdom. Yep. <laughs> and that has been, okay, so my whole thing with the Catholic Church, I've been saying a lot. Again, I don't, if you're a Catholic, I don't think you're a bad person. I think you've been deceived. The Catholic Church is a counterfeit church. I said in the last episode that it was a, it was a demo, it was demonic. That probably seems harsh to people who never studied this stuff out. Um, but it's demonic because it's it's in the workings of Satan. Satan always, like I said last week, he always mimics truth. He doesn't go off way off in left field. That's hard to believe those things. He mimics truth. He's a counterfeiter. He is transformed into an angel of light, according to 2 Corinthians. He always is copycatting the Lord. And so what is what would, what would make sense? Well, it makes sense for him to have his own copycat religion that is awfully close to real Christianity. The different, I mean, you go to a Catholic church, they believe in the virgin birth. My gosh, if anybody believes in it, they believe in it. They believe that Jesus died and rose again. They believe he was God. They're not even like Jehovah's Witnesses that don't believe in the deity of Christ. They believe all those things. But if, if, if a Catholic is honest, they do not believe that Christ's finished work is sufficient to be the only payment to save our souls. They don't believe that. No legitimate Catholic priest is going to tell you that. They teach a faith and works-based salvation. They teach that you have to go to the, you have to confess certain things. They teach, um, you know, stuff like purgatory that you can go and give money to the Catholic Church to help loved ones that have gone before that you're not sure, you know, which seems like a money grab to me. But they teach these kind of things. Okay, they are, they are the Nicolaitans of the Book of Revelation that is trying to conquer the laity or the common people. It's funny that in the time frame before, as the King James Bible began to be published, you know who was super against it? The Catholic Church. They didn't want people to have the Word of God for themselves because it would show the false tense of the Catholic Church. It's Martin Luther that penned the 95 Theses when he started reading Scripture and realized he was a, he was a monk. He started realizing, like, dude, this, all this junk is crap. It's not biblical. And so... The Catholic Church is heavily involved in the tribulation. Somehow, again, I don't have all the answers, but somehow these UFOs are tied in 
with this base that is called her own base at the end of the text in Zechariah 5 verse 11 that's connected with Shinar. And so the Tower of Babel really is where the Catholic Church began, like the beginning works of it. They didn't call themselves, you know, St. Vincent's Catholic Church or whatever they, you know, they didn't call themselves that. But it was a, it is a, it is a system that this world operates on. The Catholic Church says that the way up is up. You got to do certain things. You got to keep certain church, uh, church sacraments. You got to do these certain things to maintain your relationship with God. All those kind of things. That's works. If anybody believes that the finished work of Christ is a part of salvation, they're not saved. It's the entirety of ours. It is what allows the gift of life. We know that if you're a Bible believer. And so that's where all this began. And so you can see how these UFOs in the time frame they're in 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 the tribulation, how they are connected with the Catholic Church and how it actually connects it back to Shinar, which is where the Tower of Babel actually took place. And then again, it's called Babylon the Great in the book of Revelation. Like it all... Like the way I literally, me and Kyle were talking right before we got on the mic, it, this literally, this study of Zechariah 5 is literally a big circle that just ties these three things back together. These UFOs to the Tower of Babel, to the Catholic Church, the Catholic Church back to these UFOs, back to Babylon. I mean, it's just a big circle. And so, um, so we can see that these UFOs obviously are producing bad things. We can see that it's tied to a woman. We can see that it's, it's tied to Babylon. And then, I don't really know how to land this plane in this episode. It's kind of weird stuff we're talking about. But it is interesting. I made the comment last week, that, and Kyle said it a moment ago, that angels are men. That's just what they are in Scripture. They're men. Um, and, and again, I have the female angel with wings on top of my tree at Christmas. I love it. I love drinking coffee, staring at that little demonic angel on top of my tree. I do. <laughs> I enjoy it thoroughly. Great passion of mine. But I did say that every time, it's funny that most of the angels, like if you go to a store and try to buy a little statue of an angel, there's an 85 to 90% chance it's going to be a girl and she's going to have wings. Well, the only place we find a female type angelic being with wings is actually here in Zechariah 5. It's involving the tribulation. It's involving these UFOs that are causing destruction. And maybe if you want to read read that text there, Kyle, uh, verse 9. Yeah, Zechariah 5, verse 9. Then lifted I up mine eyes and looked, and behold, there came out two women, and the wind was in their wings, for they had wings like the wings of a stork, and they lifted up the ephah between the earth and the heaven. So in the continental of this, this text, we see that. And uh, what we would say is these are demons, as we would call them. This is demonic influence here that is obviously going to be very heavy in the middle of the tribulation. I mean, the Antichrist is on earth, for crying out loud. And that is exactly what it's describing here. Um, Again, I do think it's interesting. Again, I don't know exactly how to land the plane on this episode, but just maybe as a food for thought for your own study, it is interesting that when we were describing Satan's authority, notice what Ephesians 2.2 says again, wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince 
of the power, this is Satan, the prince of the power of the what? Of the air. Where these two, these two women here in verse 9 of Zechariah 5, they have wings. What is it that these UFOs are doing? They're flying. They're called flying rolls. Okay, if you don't want to call them a UFO, call them flying rolls. That's the, that's the best biblical term. Um, but nonetheless, it's interesting that all these unidentified flying objects that we're hearing about on the news now, they are coming. They're, they're, they're in the air. <laughs> they're flying in the air. Satan's called the prince and the power of the air. And just another sidebar, it's interesting that you study this out for yourself. I don't have time for the references. I don't even have the references written down. It take me a second to locate them. But in the, the creation account of Genesis 1, G, the Lord after every day says, and it was good, and it was good, and it was good. The only day that he doesn't say it was good, and maybe this is not why he does it, but it's a speculation. This is where we say that we don't have direct, like I can't say for hardcore, but it's a good, it's a good point of logic. The only day that God does not say that it was good is the day that he creates the fowls of the air. Mm. So you, you study out birds in Scripture. Study out birds in Scripture. And now there's some good ones, like a dove pictures the Holy Spirit. But what I do know is, at least if nothing else, whether it's a good spirit or a bad spirit, birds picture spirits. And again, this is getting way crazy. Maybe we add on the end of our title of this episode uh, something about demonic birds. Let me draw, draw us some attention. Um, but it is interesting that birds have so, like, let's take Ma, uh, Mark chapter 4. It's the parable of the sower, of the seed. Well, the seed's the word of God. And we are to be the sowers of the seed and to spread out the word of God to people so that they may know Christ. Well, you know who it is that comes up and, and devours that seed in that text? Well, one spot, it's Satan allows the, the cares of this world to choke it out. But in another spot, it is the fowls of the air come and take away the seed out of the, out of, uh, away from a person. So that's interesting. And, and I actually read, um, I'll have to find it. I've been in the book of Isaiah in my own Bible reading. And it's interesting. Like you say, okay, well, what's, what's a bad bird? Um, a raven, typically, and definitely an owl. Yeah, this is just, I told you this is going to be a little more raw, a little weird. But I read Isaiah 43.20 yesterday in my Bible reading, and it says, The beasts of the field shall honor me, the dragons and the owls. And then it goes on to say some more stuff. So I thought, huh, Satan's definitely called a dragon. We know that. Book of Revelation. Um, and it's interesting that dragons are associated with owls there. So I thought, man, I wonder if that's the only time that happens. Well, there's actually a total of four times in Scripture that owls and dragons appear in the same verse. I don't have all the answers to that, but what I'm telling you is Satan is the prince and the power of the air. Now, if you like to feed the birds, I'm not telling you not to feed the birds. Okay. <laughs> All I'm saying is there, there's a lot to this thing uh, with these UFOs because what they, and I'm not suggesting the UFOs are birds, not at all. They're flying rolls. That's what we, the Bible calls them, whatever that means, okay? But what we know is they're big. What we know is they're causing damage and havoc. 
What we know is they are called a curse. They're called wickedness. What we know is they're involved in the tribulation. What we know is they're tied to a woman that happens to be tied to the book of Revelation with the Catholic Church. We know that they're tied to Shinar and Babylon, which is also tied to the Catholic Church in the book of Revelation. And we know that there's demonic, female, whatever you want to call them, women here in the same text that they're involved with as well. And what we know is that we're hearing more about UFOs. Yeah, That's what the news calls them anyway. Yeah, I think, I think it's cool to, just in what we were reading today, just seeing how close, like, the counterfeit is between Satan and, mm-hmm. and God, like, how much he wants to be like the Most High. Yeah. How you read in the Old Testament, but just yeah. like Christ has the uh, his spiritual kingdom, the, the sons of God, us, make up his body. Satan's got his own spiritual kingdom. Yeah. His own city that we read about in Revelation 17, you know. Mm-hmm. We get our own city from Christ in Revelation 21. I mean, it's... Yeah. It's all similar. <laughs> yeah, Satan is <laughs> he is not original in anything. He from day 1 with with Isaiah 14, he wanted to be like the most high. He he wants to mimic what he wants to have what God has. He wants to mimic what the Lord's done. He is the biggest plagiarist you've ever seen. It's just that obviously it's he's not the one that has this that he's not the one that is to have a kingdom. He's not the one that is to to have worshipers worshiping him that's where it went wrong so crazy episode again study this stuff out for yourself but like i said to me the devotional application is here you can't deny and maybe you what you hear that from the news or you saw it on facebook and you're like man people are so crazy like talking about ufos i don't know what you do with hundreds of testimonials of people seeing weird stuff in the sky over and over and over <coughs> excuse me over and over and over again and I don't know what you do with the fact that at one time the news would never say anything about that. And as we as we know we're getting closer to the end times, now things are very public. It's almost like Satan, man, he's acknowledging what's coming. He, the tribulation, even though God is using that as the time of Jacob's trouble, Satan's trying to accomplish things through the tribulation as well. We know it won't eventually, essentially won't work. But the Antichrist, he literally comes to indwell that man at the abomination of desolation there in 2 Thessalonians talks about. He starts off as a man. He dies of a, head, of a deadly head wound. Go back and listen to our end time stuff for all this. He dies of a deadly head wound. Satan enters him and resurrects him. So there's a resurrection again. Talking about a counterfeit. He's trying to counterfeit the Lord Jesus. He resurrects this man and inhabits him. And he's got his own agenda. His agenda won't work. We can believe the Bible, praise God. But he, I believe, Satan is well okay with, uh, with mankind beginning to hear about these things and believe these things. That way, when these things start to unroll, people are already very aware of what's going on. So, so stay away from the great whore. Amen. You don't want to be around when those UFOs start landing. I'll be honest, anything that has the word whore attached, probably not good. <laughs> yeah, maybe stay away from all that. <laughs> we may have to edit that out now. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so with all this talk of uh, wickedness landing here, uh, if you're not sure of salvation, shoot us a message. Message us on social media, email, whatever. Um, but yeah, everybody listening, 
uh, share this thing. Leave a review on whatever you listen on. Yeah, and you don't have to agree with all the things we said. And again, we said that sometimes we're speculating in this, but just take the passage and study it out for yourself and compare scripture with scripture and, uh, and see where you arrive. Esword's a good app. Yep. We'll give them a plug. Yeah. <laughs> they can sponsor us if they'd like. Yeah. Maybe a little wild for them. I don't know. Yep. But we'd, we'd enjoy it. All right. Thanks for listening. See you all in the next one.